Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and really pleased to be joined by uh, Andre Skiba, who is the uh, head of U.S. fixed income at, uh, at Blue Bay uh, in the U.S. Uh, Andre, uh, th- thanks for joining us, and thanks particularly on joining us today, and we'll, we'll lay out the background as to why it's particularly good for you to be here today, but, uh, but, but thanks again for, for being with us today. Always a pleasure to speak to you, Dave. Yeah, and 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 I'm sorry we 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 ta- we wanted to get Andre on a couple of other times, and uh, as as regular listeners will know, I travel everywhere, and it's uh and 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 if you do travel at all, you know that traveling right now is not a lot of fun. It's uh, delay after delay, cancellation, move, shift, and so so we uh, we we had to move a couple. But again, we land on this day today where we're just coming out of, of of what we would say is a resolution of the negotiations around the U.S. debt ceiling. And we have the uh, May uh, jobs report in the U.S., which creates all kinds of conversations around Andre's expertise, uh, which is in uh, in U.S. fixed income, uh, and thinking about what uh, how this moves the Fed and where the economy goes. So it's, it's it's a great day to have you here. So 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 Andre, the the the, the for, for for Canadians who who are the the predominant group of listeners we have this U.S debt ceiling discussion we watch it and we hear mostly about the political dynamics of it that's kind of what we look at but but in your world what kind of disruption did that create the last few weeks and what does this resolve for for you in your in 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 the way you think of us fixed income that's a really good question because the debt ceiling has manifested itself not just in the political headlines fixed income markets were deeply impacted uh, by the tumultuous few weeks that we've had. And you have seen that expressed particularly uh, in very short duration securities in T-bills, uh, where there was a genuine concern whether the government would be in a position to repay those obligations when they come due. And if an agreement was not reached, uh, that was quite a credible uh, risk. So we have seen some of the Treasury bill maturities Uh, close to uh, current uh, timeline, uh, increasing to as much as 7%. Uh, So a massive impact in terms of those markets. But generally, investors were also concerned about how will the market function? Uh, Are we uh, going to see an avalanche of outflows from the money market industry? How uh, can that be mediated uh, by investors? And how can liquidity be provided? Uh, And in that regard, it was very helpful to know that this time around, we had the benefit of the Federal Reserve's reverse repo facility that would uh, enable money money market funds uh, to uh, manage liquidity on a daily basis. But um, away from that, focus was really uh, on strength of the economy, on the potential uh, increase in the likelihood of a recession, Uh, if an agreement was not reached. And uh, also a simple fact that we have investors all over the world holding U.S. government uh, securities. And uh, if an agreement was not reached and a a default would occur, uh, would that imply uh, damage to the reputation of U.S. government securities on a global basis? So uh, it was great to see that despite um, all the fighting and uh, 
all uh, the aggressive commentary on both sides of the political spectrum, uh, we have uh, seen an agreement pass both uh, uh, both sides of the Congress, um, and now we can essentially breathe uh, easily. So um, that battle is over, uh, but at the same time now we have a whole new set of questions about what follows next uh, and the impact on U.S. fixed income markets. So, so Andre, though, but 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 that disruption, and and then I imagine you 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 come into that, and you're working through that with a, with a, with somewhat of a view of how it will likely play out. So, are you able to take advantage of that as an investment manager? Is is that something you know in the near term? You you see, you get into that last month, and you go, okay, this is the way it, it's typically played out. This is the way I think it plays out this time. And can you take advantage of that? if you make the correct call, or do you just want to steer clear of that and not get too much on one side or the other just in case it goes the wrong way? I think it's a bit of both, actually. Um, on one hand, we have a fiduciary duty to our clients to make sure that we don't step into a landmine. So, for example, uh, our team is managing uh, very large money market funds, and we wanted to make sure we do not own any treasury bills uh, that in a worst case scenario might not be repaid. Uh, so that's uh, just basic response uh, as a manager that you have to employ to showcase your um, risk focus uh, in day-to-day -day investing. But aside from that, you're absolutely right. Uh, this whole volatility also created opportunities uh, across a um, broad set of fixed income uh, securities. So for example, uh, we had a number of issuers coming to the market in the credit space that recently have been offering very modest concessions uh, for investors to buy their new securities compared to where the existing ones were trading. But suddenly, over those few weeks prior to um, the resolution of a debt ceiling standoff, uh, they were much more generous uh, in terms of the new issue concessions because they wanted to make sure that they execute those transactions and uh, even in volatile markets, uh, they can achieve their goals. So we could absolutely take advantage of buying securities that are in no way related to the debt crisis, for example, those of pharma companies um, at uh, attractive valuations. So it's a combination of both making sure that what you're doing doesn't break but also taking advantage of opportunities as they arise, and and uh, that that what make what makes your job so exciting and difficult at the same time, right? It's 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 well, it's, it's a team it's, effort, so at least I can spread the pain across uh, the whole of the team. <laughs> Excellent. So so that so now okay, so we get the resolution. Boom! It's just got to go and be signed. It will be it will be signed off by the president. And now the focus just immediately turns to jobs report this morning and other data points, which start to tell us what's happening in the economy, and particularly what's happening potentially with inflation. So we had really strong job number again. I had Eric Lascelles on earlier, who just continually confounded by these reports, which just time and time again come out above expectation as we all wait for the economy to slow down. But what, what did you take out of uh, this morning's announcement and, and what are you seeing happening uh, in the markets that you're watching? I think you're spot on. The market has very quickly shifted focus to uh, the Federal Reserve and also the growth outlook for the US economy. And it's pretty clear 
that uh, labor market is in a good shape. We are not seeing uh, any evidence yet of a dramatic weakening uh, in the labor market uh, in the US, whether that's um, this morning's report or whether it's recent job openings data. They are all pointing to the fact that uh, US is in good shape when it comes to the strength of the labor market. Having said that, we are starting to see evidence of moderating wage pressures. So, for example, even though uh, the payrolls were strong, you had uh, a slightly lower than expected um, rate of wage inflation uh, that was reported. And uh, equally, uh, earlier this week, we had some reports from the ISM surveys that indicated uh, decelerating pressures in terms of prices paid uh, in the US. So uh, Federal Reserve actually would not mind this combination of a labor market that is in a good shape while at the same time seeing inflation uh, moderate. But this conundrum of can the two go hand in hand, is it even possible uh, to achieve um, inflation moderation without uh, a meaningful slowdown in the economy, including the labor market, is the reason why uh, what Federal Reserve is indicating to us is that they're happy to pause in terms of the rate hikes, but they're not uh, committing to being completely done in case the economic data uh, remains uh, very strong. So this conundrum of uh, can we see inflation start coming down at a pace that points us towards Fed's 2% objective, not this year, but uh, into 24, uh, that is the key question. Uh, so as much as we believe that a pause at the June meeting uh, is very much uh, a possibility, it's our base case scenario, uh, it is not a foregone conclusion that they will be done. It could well happen, uh, but it's not an absolute given because the economic data is just uh, too solid to make that determination right at this second. And 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 what uh, just just for the listeners, what 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 reports uh, will you be keying on over the next few weeks? Uh, and what do you think the Fed was going to be looking for in terms of additional data points that are that are going to start to give you a better idea of 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 where they go? You know, two, three, four months out from here. Well, focus is consistently on inflation data. So we will uh, see those numbers coming in different shapes and sizes and uh, different formats that they are released. Uh, but I think that will be the key focus. Because if the message will be that actually inflation is starting to move higher again, and not only the broader economy is in decent shape, but also inflation is refusing uh, to moderate, then uh, that will disappoint those investors hoping for Fed uh, rate hikes being done. Uh, so definitely a lot of focus there. So far, as I mentioned, we have generally had uh, encouraging data on the inflation front. Uh, it's been either roughly in line with expectations or a bit better uh, over the recent weeks. But we need to, set, uh, to see that trend continue uh, to increase our confidence in Fed being properly done uh, with uh, rate hikes. Yeah, and, and all of us up here in Canada just saw the, uh, we, we, we had that little reversal in terms of our, our inflation actually ticked up 
uh, on on our our most recent report. And so, yeah, there's still still a lot of ways that this could play out, uh, which which again makes your life very interesting. So, if if you're an investor looking at fixed income markets, what 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 do you think is particularly appealing? Is this a is this a really uh, you know after obviously a very very challenging year last year? Is this 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 is a fixed income market that that that's interesting for an average investor and where in particular? I think it's very important to choose what your time horizon is, because purely over the coming weeks, yes, you can see a lot of volatility because of incoming incoming data. And the progress we're making uh, towards um, better environment for fixed income assets could not be linear. It could be two steps forward, one step back. But if you're looking uh, in a perspective that it's not a few weeks, but we're talking about six months, 12 months, 18 months, uh, we are very constructive on the asset class. And the reason why we're constructive is that we believe eventually inflation will moderate. And the key reason uh, why uh, that will happen is that you will see the impact of not just the Fed rates being deeply in restrictive territory, but also you will see uh, efforts uh, in the banking channel to cut lending uh, across the economy because particularly for regional banks in the US, that is the only way how they can meaningfully improve their capital ratios. Uh, as you've seen before, there have been questions about the strength of the regional banking system in the US, and uh, there is a need for them to strengthen uh, their capital ratios uh, to account for things like unrealized losses on the securities portfolios. Yes. And you can't really do that by issuing uh, equity, because they're all trading below book value, the only easy way to achieve that is by addressing the other side of the equation, which is cutting your risk-weighted assets. And you do that by cutting lending. And when you cut lending, particularly regional banks, they impact um, local economies. They impact small and medium-sized enterprises. So then when you take that combination of Federal Reserve having rates at elevated levels, well above neutral, uh, deeply in restrictive territory, and at the same time, banks, especially regional banks, uh, doing a lot of the legwork of slowing down the economy, of withdrawing lending support from uh, US uh, regions, that together is uh, a powerful combination allowing inflation to moderate. And then as investors, we can look forward to Fed rate cuts, whether they happen at the end of this year or beginning of next year. But that is a powerful driver of investor demand for fixed income. And if we put this in a context, uh, last year, we had dramatic outflows uh, from uh, US uh, fixed income uh, funds, just in investment grade funds, looking at US mutual funds you had almost quarter of a trillion dollars of outflows. That is a massive amount by historical standards. And that money always comes back when we're looking at past examples of such major outflows within a year to two years. And when we're speaking to US uh, asset allocators, they are all telling us the same story. We love fixed income. We want to lock in currently attractive yields 
we just want to have a bit more comfort that inflation is indeed moderating. And if that happens, uh, we will pull the trigger and you should see a meaningful re-engagement with the asset class from investors across the US. So the prospect of having hundreds of billions of uh, demand coming back in, into US fixed income assets, while at the same time, Federal Reserve helping to offset the negative impact of economic slowdown with the rate cuts should be a powerful mix, uh, creating demand for uh, fixed income assets and seeing spreads tighten uh, across our universe. So over the next few weeks, it could be a bumpy ride. On a 6-12 month view, uh, we are quite positive on our asset class, particularly uh, looking at high grade assets. Yeah, and, and always important. We we think about uh, we think about yields, price of a bond, uh, price of a stock, um, but but they are markets, and a market is driven by supply and demand. Those are important factors, and and right now or or over the last year, uh, that demand has flown the wrong way, and as you suggest, always turns the other way as as we move through these these types of uh, of of uh well periods of uncertainty the the other really i the other th thing that uh, that i think a lot of canadians would 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 not really be aware of or 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 maybe not make the connection because our banking system is so different than that in the us is that connection between the regional banks which have been in the news and we're hearing those reports here about the regional banks and how they're struggling but the connection with small and medium enterprise and it's small and medium enterprise in an economy like the us or canada that drives the labor market that is that's that's the key job creator or when they're constrained where where jobs peel off and uh, so I, I hadn't heard anyone really uh, in, in the Canadian context anyways uh, c connect that dot uh, connect those dots together in terms of uh, regional banks and small and medium enterprise that's that's quite interesting I think that's spot on and uh, that is the main channel through which we will see a slowdown in the U.S. economy over the coming quarters it could be a very strange situation where. When you're looking at the big enterprises, large corporates, they actually could well be doing pretty fine. Because there are many consumer groups that are in decent shape. You have pockets of weakness, but it's not widespread. Uh, so because of the impact of regional banks, it could be a recession, if that is our destination, that is very much occurring at the small, medium enterprise level that is the driving force of the economy, rather than for big corporates, uh, many of which are going from strength to strength um, in areas like technology, for example. And and let's just uh, let's just finish off to take a look at uh, your your thoughts on the high yield market again. Uh, people think high yield, and they go, "Oh, re recession coming, or at least slowdown um, that could create opportunities down the road, but might." might be an area I want to avoid right now. What are, what are your thoughts on the high yield space? I think that's a fair point. When we're speaking to clients and prospects, um, whereas in investment grade, what they want to have clarity about is inflation. In high yield, they want to see a few quarters of economic weakness and how the companies manage uh, in that environment. So the setup of uh, uh, the setup for uh, the high-yield investment universe is quite strong. And the reason being is there are very few maturities on the horizon. Uh, and also, 
uh, you have a lot of companies that were expected to default in previous years already having done so in 2020 during the COVID crisis. So the slate is pretty clean uh, when it comes to a high-yield sector. But still, a lot of investors want to see evidence of how the companies uh, are doing, managing through uh, the crisis. And in our opinion, they will do fine. And the reason being is their leverage. So the amount of debt that you have in high-yield companies right now, it's the lowest, not even since pre-COVID, but the lowest since global financial crisis. So this is probably the best shape companies have entered a potential recession uh, within uh, high yield. But having said that, uh, we're hearing that again and again. Uh, show me the evidence, how well they're doing, then I will consider locking in those higher yields um, for my benefit. And so that's the demand piece again uh, in, in, in that space relative to, to what we've been discussing. Uh, Andre, just, uh, just fascinating, always, uh, always interesting getting your perspective. And again, uh, we, uh, we, it, it, it's a shame we missed a couple. We'll, we'll, we'll get you on more frequently, but uh, this was just a fantastic update. And again, just a, an incredible perspective from your chair. Uh, you have such a, such a great seat to watch what's going on in fixed income markets in the U.S. And it's great when you can share it with, uh, with our Canadian listeners. So, so thanks for being with us again. Absolutely. My pleasure. And it's always so much fun speaking to our Canadian friends. So all the best. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions. RBC Global Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Royal Bank of Canada, RBC, which includes RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., RBC Global Asset Management, U.S., Inc., RBC Global Asset Management UK Limited, RBC Global Asset Management Asia Limited, and Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which are separate but affiliated subsidiaries of RBC.